Hello, this is Mary Silito with Every School Kid Matters, especially yours. In today's podcast, you'll hear about grade reporting, promotion and failure, and I'll also talk about testing. Well, let's think about how important, really, are report card grades. Can we actually take them seriously? Frankly, it depends on the teacher's grading methods, which can be very subjective, especially if the school and school district leadership hasn't worked with the teachers to establish grading expectations across the board for both academics and behavior. I have a granddaughter in ninth grade who had a teacher announce to the class on the first day of school that they never give A's unless the student goes above and beyond. That's quite a stressful announcement to any kids who are aspiring to be the valedictorian. While going above and beyond is an admirable and desirable trait for our kids to cultivate, I'm pretty sure it's not included in any learning standards list. And what exactly would count as going above and beyond? It must be whatever behavior the teacher decides fits their fancy when they see it. Most schools have a separate behavior grade. It's called conduct or citizenship or something else along those lines. And I'll talk about that more later. Reporting grades under competency-based learning and promotion would be much more simple and clear as well without so much bias. We would see accurate grades that show which standards have been mastered and which standards the student still needs to learn or gain a higher level of mastery. For example, if the current math class has 50 standards, mastering these 50 standards with an average of 90% correct or better on each standard assessment could be an A, an 80% average a B, a 70% average a C, and in my opinion, less than 70% is not mastery enough to move on. You need that foundation in order to move to the next level. But students would have a much easier time practicing the standards they don't understand until they master them, rather than failing the entire grade level and starting over at the beginning in every subject, even those they did not fail. The percentages for demonstrating levels of mastery and accompanying grades will need to be determined state by state because it is a state's rights matter. Hopefully, the states will collaborate with each other so that kids who move will be able to start right where they left off at their old school. Researching and understanding the grading policies and practices at your children's school and school district is important because this is another one of the main reasons we need to change to competency-based learning and promotion. Therefore, you may need to ask some questions or at least do online research to learn about your school and district grading practices. For example, do the grades make sense and provide a clear picture of your child's actual progress? Did your child get an A or B grade on the report card in math or reading, but get a non-proficient rating on the annual standardized assessment? Is an A in one school equal to an A in another school? Grassroots research is needed. The easiest way to research this question is to compare your information with parents of children in other schools in your area. Did your child get an A in AP English but fail to pass the AP exam for college credit? 
And finally, does the percentage of students in the school who were proficient in 8th grade math on the annual assessment equal the percentage of students who passed 8th grade math with a C or better? Probably not. Generally, the answer to that last question is no, and not only in math. It is important to understand why this occurs. Our first reaction is to blame the teachers and to assume that they are not helping the students learn what they need to know. In my experience, it is most often not entirely the teacher's fault. They have to make the best of this archaic system. In all likelihood, the teachers rushed through the standards in order to cover everything before the students took the test. With competency-based learning and promotion, this need to spray the standards out as if you're using a garden hose and hoping something soaks into the student's brain and then grows into knowledge and skill, well, that needs to be replaced by actually helping students learn at their own pace. Our teachers will be more likely to enjoy their jobs and find much greater success. And another thing, have you heard about minimum F grades? Well, minimum F grades will go away with competency-based learning and promotion. But some school districts have tried to improve grading to present a more accurate report of student achievement by instituting a minimum F percentage wherein a student's missing assignment or low grade on a test or assignment is given extra points in the gradebook instead of a zero or a low percentage. The reasoning behind this is logical because the commonly used scale is way out of proportion. An A is worth 11 points, 90 to 100. B, C, and D are equally 10 points apart, but an F spans 60 points from 0 to 59. So a 0 included in averaging grades on tests and assignments has a very disproportionate effect and gives numerical value to something that has never been assessed. Yet giving points to students where nothing has been turned in is disturbing to parents and teachers who feel that this rewards the student for doing nothing. Some schools have tried to use a compromise by using a four-point system for grades, such as four equals A, three equals B, two equals C, one equals D, and zero equals F. Well, that works mathematically, but in my experience, many teachers find the conversion to be time-consuming and somewhat confusing. The whole problem will disappear with CBLP because teachers will not be giving grades. A student will either demonstrate competency or they will not, and they will not be pushed on if they do not master the required learning standard. If they want a higher grade, they can retest themselves on that standard. And that is another thing. With CBLP, retaking tests is a good thing. We want the kids to learn what they're supposed to learn, right? Well, then it is very important to have students meet certain practice requirements before they may take a test again. I'll compare this to basketball. Basketball players must be able to shoot the ball from the foul line on the court and make it through the basketball hoop. The player's ability to make this foul shot is tested during the games. The percentage of foul shots made is tracked and reported for each player and for the whole team, and publicly, I might add. 
The players practice shooting foul shots so they can improve their average number of foul shots that actually go through the hoop during the games. The practices don't count in the final score, but they are tracked so that the player and coaches know if assistance is needed. The coach might use a player's statistical averages to determine who takes the foul shots resulting from technical fouls during the game or even in deciding who gets to play at certain times in the basketball game. The players with the best averages in making foul shots are rewarded. But remember, that isn't the practice. They have to practice in order to even get to play in the game so that the average they have in practice is good enough to try the test. So practicing before our kids can retake a test is a good thing. And how about credit for late work? I know that drives teachers crazy. Another controversial practice is allowing students to turn in late work for full or partial credit. Many parents, teachers, and community members are against this because it is not teaching responsible behavior by the student. You have to get things done on time. Well, teachers feel the extra burden of grading a bunch of work all at once when students turn in work at the last minute near the end of the nine-week grading period. Assuming that that assigned work is relevant and important to the student's likelihood of mastering the standards that they're being taught, well, how responsible are we adults who punish our immature and responsible kids by taking away the opportunity to learn by completing the assignment? The frustration for the adults is that students figure out how to game these systems. Since that's the skill they practice in video games, we shouldn't really be surprised. But with competency-based learning and promotion, students will no longer be late with assignments because they're assigning themselves and they'll be working at their own pace. They will want to get done and turn things in so they can move on to the next level. The grades for the nine weeks will show what the student has attempted so far in the current level and the scores that were earned. Let's think about grading our kids' behavior. Well, student academic competency is not the same as their behavior. I'm talking about things like not turning in homework, not participating in class, not completing assignments, disrupting class by talking to friends, getting up and walking around without permission, or being tardy to class. These behaviors, while extremely annoying for teachers, are often given weight in the student grade. And parents accept this because we must teach our students to be responsible. And it has always been done this way. However, consider that teaching newly conceived behavioral ideas about our society are also believed by some to be teaching students to be responsible. Are our kids risking lower grades if they do not conform to current societal concepts that are not supported at home? Hmm. Behavior is not the same as learning about math, science, history, reading, and writing. I have personal knowledge and experience of children who were guilty of neglecting homework, daydreaming, 
or even reading a hidden book during class. I might have done that myself. Not turning in completed assignments and being tardy to class, but who aced every test and scored well on standardized tests. These children often kept a C average and are passed over when a teacher writes recommendations for accelerated or honors classes because of their, quote, poor behavior. I wonder how many great minds have been discouraged and shut out because they didn't meet the behavioral expectations placed on them by teachers wanting to keep those classes full of only obedient children. Early in my career as a principal, we began attempting to separate academic grades from grades in conduct or behavior. The school district labeled this section on report cards as citizenship and provided the following options. E equals excellent, S equals satisfactory, N equals needs improvement, and U is unsatisfactory. These citizenship grades can be made important to the students with recognition and rewards, while also rewarding and recognizing academic grades. You can see the citizenship chart we used at Sylvester Junior High School on my website, marysillito.com, and feel free to use it. I gave copies of that chart to every middle school principal in Clark County, Nevada. It would be a great idea to find out what grade level promotion practices are followed in your child's school. Parents should try to find out the answers to these questions. How many students were retained in each grade level last year? Are students passed to the next grade level even if they failed to read or do math at their grade level? Is this a district-wide policy? Are any students retained in a grade or failing in certain subjects because of poor behavior that includes not turning in assignments? Are students grade lowered to the point of failure because of missing assignments even though they pass the tests on the missing assignment material? And now let's talk about my favorite thing to cancel out, extra credit. Is extra credit awarded for activities having nothing at all to do with mastering learning standards? Well, I'll confess that in my very first year of teaching in the early 1990s, I awarded extra credit points to students who donated a box of Kleenex tissues to the classroom. Not okay. Competency-based learning and promotion will end retention and social promotion. The social promotion versus retention has been debated for decades with no solution. What am I talking about? Social promotion is the most common name for the policy of promoting students to the next grade level despite failure at their current grade level. It's motivated by a desire to protect the kids' social adjustment and their school motivation. I would say that means protecting them from having low self-esteem. Some educators believe that these students will get more from exposure to new content at the next grade than they would from repeating their current grade. Retention calls for requiring students who have failed to demonstrate mastery in every subject to repeat their current grade the following year instead of moving on to the next grade. This policy is motivated by the belief that an extra year in the grade will give struggling students 
an opportunity to master content that they failed to master in the first year and consequently leave them better prepared to succeed in higher grades in the future. Those who favor grade retention policies also tend to believe that it is important for schools to maintain high standards and that social promotion policies fail to do this and instead send students the message that little is expected of them. Well, guess what? Researchers and reviewers who have focused on studying grade retention and social promotion for years typically conclude that neither policy is an effective treatment for unsatisfactory achievement. But if one must choose between them, social promotion is preferable. What? We need not settle for either one of these policies that are not solutions. Competency-based learning and promotion will end retention and end social promotion. Our kids will move up when they are ready. Report card grades will match actual learning and mastery of standards. Social promotion and retention will be relics of our failed school system. Student grades will be based on the level of competency demonstrated by the student. Grades will not be determined on the practice of skills, nor on the student's behavior, nor on allowing the student to earn extra credit or turn in late work. States and school districts will need to determine what percentage of competency for the identified standards in the class subject will determine the grade. National collaboration will hopefully occur between all of the states so that children who move around will lose nothing. So this is what we need to tell everyone. Competency-based learning and promotion will eliminate minimum F grades and late work issues. We can end social promotion and grade level retention by implementing CBLP. Student behavior is not the same as mastering standards in math, science, reading, writing, and history, and therefore behavior should not affect the student's grades. Student behavior needs to earn a behavior grade that is recognized and rewarded. And let's think about all that testing. Our children are tested a lot. Teacher-made weekly tests and assignments, interim standards assessment given three or four times a year, individual education plan and 504 plan assessments, yearly standardized test, college entrance exams. I'm sure there's more. Our children's annual standardized test scores have been the focus of international attention since No Child Left Behind became the main law for the K-12 general education in the United States. It was the law from 2002 to 2015, and it required annual standardized testing and held schools accountable for how kids learned and achieved. This test score accountability sought to improve student achievement by punishing leaders and teachers in districts and schools where not enough academic growth was shown by the students in math and reading. Some educators lost their jobs, and people turned to desperate and sometimes illegal measures because they didn't see any way for their students to improve under the existing system. And we still have that system. In fact, in 2013, a grand jury indicted Beverly L. Hall, who is now deceased, but she was the superintendent of Atlanta, Georgia schools. She allegedly orchestrated a scheme to inflate achievement test scores for thousands of students in Atlanta. In 2015, an Atlanta jury convicted 11 teachers 
of racketeering and other crimes for cheating on student standardized tests. And such scandals were actually reported during No Child Left Behind in most states. These cheating scandals came during a time when standardized test scores had become the chief method to evaluate teachers, principals, schools, and districts because of federal policy. Well, now the Every Student Succeeds Act, ESSA, replaced No Child Left Behind in 2015. ESSA requires states to test students in reading and math once a year in grades 3 through 8, as well as once in high school. They must also test students in science three times, once in grade school, once in middle school, and once in high school. Well, eight years later, student test scores haven't changed much. Well, but neither have the school systems. We should expect that how well our children perform on tests generally reflects how well they have learned what is being taught. So many students realize that they will be promoted on to the next grade level no matter what their test scores and grades reveal about their learning. Competency-based learning and promotion would be a new system for our schools. So keep in mind with CBLP, standardized test scores will not be a big surprise. In some schools, teachers assess learning by having the students demonstrate mastery in a variety of ways. Some teachers use a rubric, which is a chart with specific descriptions of requirements, choices for fulfilling those requirements, and the potential grade for various choices. A rubric gives students the advantage of seeing the requirements clearly laid out. Students can calculate the score they would earn by completing each requirement at a certain level. Students enjoy having choices in how to prove what they've learned. Examples are practically unlimited and include speeches, presentations, newsletters, videos, podcasts, graphic organizers, essays, or standards-aligned tests and quizzes. With competency-based learning and promotion, teachers in all schools will assess learning by having the students demonstrate mastery in a variety of ways. In addition, teachers in all schools will not feel pressured to promote students to the next level just because they ran out of time. Children with learning difficulties or other special needs may have an individualized education plan, an IEP, or a 504 plan, which allows for certain accommodations during testing. CBLP systems will support the needs of all students, whether they need more time and personal assistance or are quickly demonstrating mastery of standards and rapidly moving up levels. Everybody's judged by how well the students perform on yearly standardized tests. The Atlanta example highlights the extreme pressure this places on educators. Student effort on standardized tests is something we have to consider when comparing test scores to the report card grades because when students ask, will this count for a grade? Teachers dread hearing this question from students regarding standardized tests because the honest answer is no. And so students are less likely to try their best when they see little benefit or consequence for themselves. If it's not for a grade, why should I try? Annual test scores are not usually available until the summertime after the school year ends, which is not soon enough for grades. 
What is really important is to find a way to make the test important to students. Competency-based learning and promotion, CBLP, could almost completely resolve this issue and so many others. Minimum F grade point gifts, credit for late work, academic grades for behavior, and most importantly, social promotion and retention need to go away. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll help spread the word. All student names in my stories have been changed to protect their privacy. If you have any comments or questions, please email me, mary at marysilito.com. That's M-E-R-R-Y at M-E-R-R-Y-S-I-L-L-I-T-O-E dot com. You can find my posts online at marysilito.com and follow me on X at Mary underscore Silito. Next podcast, I'll talk about school funding, COVID money, vouchers, choice, competition, and trimesters. And I'll share more student stories. Please listen soon.